everybody. Grab your Bible and a pencil and journal and maybe even a cup of coffee and join in on our conversation. But first, I would like for you to write down Numbers 13, verses 1 and 2. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the people of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers you shall send a man, every one a chief among them. Hey everyone, welcome to Write This Down with Dot Bowen. My name is Kara, I am Dot's daughter, and every week we sit down together and we talk through truths and scripture, and we invite you guys to join in the conversation. And in this episode, we talk through the Israelites and how their unbelief prevented them from entering into the promised land. And honestly, we are really not all that different from the Israelites. So we talk through like, how do we know what God has promised us and how do we face you know, hard situations like the Israelites facing a hard situation to enter into the promised land. So we are really glad that you're here. Pull up a chair and listen in. We are in numbers and I hope you are reading along with us. I have heard a few of you talk about our podcast and they really enjoy your questions, Kara. My questions? Yes, that's what they say. Okay, now I feel pressure to have good questions today. Yeah. Exactly. I want to put the pressure of the Lord on you today. Now, <laughs> now it, I tell everybody, you have no idea what we're going to talk about, and I have no idea what you're going to ask. So uh, that kind of gives Unscripted. us a little conversation. Yep, that kind mm-hmm. of gives us an honest and real conversation. And um, and today we're talking about, you know, God told Moses to send out this spy to look at the land that he had promised them. And he says to them, the very verses that I read at the beginning, I am giving to the people of Israel. And mm-hmm. as you know, these Israelites, they just really remind me too much of myself. Uh, I've been reading about them and I find myself getting so irritated with them. And yeah. I decided... I think it may be because it's too much a reflection of myself that irritates me so much. Yeah. I mean, they just complain their way through the whole... Yeah, but to death, actually. They never entered the promised land. Mm -hmm. Um, This first generation, you know... uh, At this point, though, wasn't it when they go to spy it out, like they have been in the desert for about two or three years? Is that right? I think it's a little over a year. They're about to enter in um, very close you know, to the promised land. And then God begins to circle them around a little bit because they just continue to complain and complain. Well, yeah, because this is leading up to when he actually says, okay, now you're going to be, you're going to be in the desert longer. But yeah, it's, I think, yeah. So they have been at this point. Yeah. Not obviously they haven't been, um, hasn't been 40 years. Right. Uh, numbers actually takes up where Exodus leaves off. And as a result... Uh, Exodus or number? I mean, Exodus or Leviticus? No, Numbers. Well, they all do, but Leviticus... You said Numbers takes up where Exodus leaves off. That's correct. Because Leviticus talks about the worship and oh. how we're to worship. And Numbers uh, really talks about preparing them for war. So they stop for a little bit. And oh, they sense. do the whole thing about worship. And so now they're getting ready to enter into the land. And so gotcha. they are not far from actually Canaan, but they do not enter the promised land. Spoiler alert. <laughs> yep, they do. They do. It's just not this gener- generation. And so uh, today I just wanted to kind of talk a little bit about, let's just have a little discussion here about okay. how the complaining to God and really 
they thought they were complaining to Moses, but God really said, you know, Moses, their problem's really with me. And I started thinking about, you know, they have this cloud, and, and, you know, when the cloud comes, they're supposed to stay, and when the cloud moves, you know, they're supposed to move. And I got to thinking about that. Like, what if God decided to move at 3 a.m.? I mean, you don't just pick up. Wasn't it a fire? Well, a fire by night. That's, well, okay. I get it. That, (laughs) I take it. But still, what if the fire comes up and says, let's go? Yes. Well, I think that they would go. Well, yeah, but 3 a.m., would you like to jump up, take up your tent, and get all your meals? Honestly, I wouldn't really like to be in any of this story. I would not want to be in the desert for any amount of time, if I'm honest. Well, our, so there's really nothing about this story where I think like, man, they are really living the life in this, <laughs> this part well, of the Bible. You may find yourself really enjoying this story if you ever lived in Egypt. Because, well, yeah, if I did. But I'm just saying, like, of all the points of the Bible, I don't think this is the one where I'm like, I would pick this season to be yeah. in it. Well, absolutely not. So, yeah, there's nothing about the story that I would not like to be in the desert. I would not mm-hmm. like to be wandering. I would yeah. not like to have to get up at 3 a.m. and follow fire. Yeah. Well, there you go. But you know what? So. <laughs> we may not be living among the Israelites, the first generation that came out of out of Egypt. But, I mean, seriously, Kara, let's be honest. I mean, well, I mean, I, pre- I think I pretty much said that about my own life many a times. I don't really mm-hmm. want to be doing this. I don't want to be 37 mm-hmm. and single. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be living here. I don't want to be doing this. <laughs> so. Have you ever complained? No. No. No, never. You've never complained. It's and just you know, stating the facts. The facts are, <laughs> this, yeah. isn't I, yes. this isn't what I want. This isn't the worst, but yeah. it's not what I wanted. And ironically, Kara, we laugh about that. I'm not sure God's laughing with us, but we're laughing about that because we know that that's true. And we see ourselves, as I was saying earlier, we see ourselves yeah. in, in numbers. We see ourselves among the Israelites of one minute it's great. Oh, we're praising Jesus. Like, you're not going to believe what God did. And we start really uh, telling everybody about all the miracles that God does has done in our lives. And then life gets tough and life gets hard. And we start complaining. Like, it's so hard to be a Christian. In my defense, I try to be really intentional to not sit in my complaining or grumbling or discontent or whatever it may be. Whatever, when those things come up in my heart, I don't, I do try to turn, I acknowledge it and then I turn from it as, I mean, I'm not perfect in it, but that's, I do try, which it does not seem like the Israelites really. Well, you don't know. know. They didn't, well, they clearly didn't because they didn't enter well, but Moses seems- didn't either, but he one time he sinned. Oh, I mean, he sinned all the t- probably because he's not perfect. But I'm saying we don't know uh, how often they complained and how many. It sounds like the whole group complained. Yeah. It may not be everybody, but you know, I just want to back up first because I want to say yes. I know that you're walk with the Lord. I know that you hold on to God. I know that you're trusting God down deep. I know you. I know that you want God's best. You don't want anything that God doesn't want for you. I know that. But I will also say that sometimes you hide from your feelings. Sometimes you stuff your feelings. Now, and I mean, so, if, if, so, if by sometimes you mean always, then yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. So what may appear to be that you're embracing God's will for your life, it may be you're just, you know, 
running from having to really face what your life is like. And and yet, I think God is okay with that because He takes us slowly. You know, it's like He knows what we want. And when we're not receiving, if God is not fulfilled what we're praying about or what we're asking Him for, and we don't feel like life is turning out the way we had always dreamed or hoped it would, I think God is very understanding about that. I think mm-hmm. He knows what's best for us, and He loves us unconditionally. I think like the posture of our hearts is where a lot of that key, like my heart is definitely not perfect, but at the end of the day, I mean, I want what God wants. I, mm-hmm. I love Him and I trust Him. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going to stop following Him. I'm not going to you know, stop seeking Him or loving Him. And if this is a story that He, I mean, this obviously is a story that He wanted for my life. So I wouldn't have, I wouldn't choose a different one actively in the sense of, oh, God, you want this, so I'm going to rebel against it. It's just like, oh, I I would have written this a thousand different ways. But um, so I think that's the thing where, mm-hmm. you know, it's just like deep down, like you're, we're all going to have those moments. But I'm, you know, it's just like doing the work, you know, mm-hmm. even if some days it feels like the work is like, I don't even, I don't even know how to walk. I'm just like, I don't even, some days I don't even feel like I'm crawling. <laughs> some right. days and, it feels and, like I'm just sitting here. But And um, you know what? That is sometimes the best posture because sometimes we shouldn't walk and sometimes we shouldn't take off. Sometimes we should just sit as we know in numbers and through the lives of the Israelites. God would say, stay. I want you to stay. I'm mm-hmm. stay put. And then he'll say, why are you staying and crying out to me? Get up and go. And get up and go. You know, that's a journey. It's a spiritual journey. And I think you're right, Kara. I know, I know your heart, and I know that Jesus looks deep, and he knows down deep that you want his best. But when you have an expectation, anyone, all of us, of how life should be, and it doesn't turn out that way, or we don't even maybe even— seem to appear is even going in that direction, then it's hard. We have to stop. We have to deal with it. We have to be honest mm-hmm. with ourselves. And well, I don't think that's what I don't think that that's what God was upset with the Israelites in the fact that they were not dealing with it. It was literally an issue of trust. Like right. I, I I wouldn't you say you trust God mm-hmm. even though it's not what you want? I do struggle with unbelief and trusting. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. I mean I I struggle with it, if I'm honest. But I do, I do trust him deep, deep down. But no, like they're, you trust his heart. I yeah. He is. But I, but the way that that plays out sometimes, it is, it is really hard. At least that's how I feel. Maybe I'm mm-hmm. like too hard on myself. But I do feel like I struggle with unbelief. Well, let me ask you this: not in his existence, but maybe in the way he's handling things. Mm-hmm. Or that is—is is he even handling things? <laughs> or I don't know. You know, like right? Yeah. Well, one of the things I like, you know, in Numbers thirteen, you know, when they're talking about the Israelites and how God said to Moses, you know, send these men out to spy the land. I'm going to give you. So God had said, I'm going to give you the land, and that's a little bit different because God hasn't necessarily said to you and me, I'm going to do this. I'm going to. Right you know, send you a husband, or I'm going to make sure you're never going to be sick, or, you know, we don't have those kind of promises. You know, God was really talking to them 
in detail. I mean, you look right. at the way that they're supposed to worship. I mean, it was really in detail. And today, we have the overarching of the heart of God. We have the ways that God works with His sovereignty. and But every single detail, we don't have. We have mm-hmm. to kind of trust God, and, you know, we go one direction. And if obstacles come that way, then we're like, okay, God must need to turn around. We need to change. And so, you know, what... Uh, what's wrong with the Israelites was God was very detailed and said, you know, I'm going to give you this land. And then they started looking around them. They started looking at their circumstances and they started looking at the people there. Now, they saw the good part. They brought, you know, back to the camp, all these grapes, everybody's sitting there eating grapes and uh, all excited about all the fruit that they were going to get and all the milk and honey. But then there was just this problem. And that was... Uh, in most of the spies, not all but two, uh, which was uh, Caleb and Joshua, uh, they said, "Oh, we could never, we could never win in this war." Uh, they Wait, started Joshua? looking. Yes, Joshua. Or Jacob. Oh no, Joshua. Joshua. Sorry, I'm an idiot. <laughs> well, you do make it hard to teach, <laughs> but <laughs> but oh, okay. Joshua, where they go over, and we'll see in Joshua where he does go into the land because Joshua was one of, there were only two of them that said, hey, we can overcome. Mm-hmm. We can win this battle because we have God. And they're right. like, well, you know, we're looking yeah, at the Yeah, because that people. was a fear. They were like, we are like gra- grasshoppers compared yeah. to these people. Like, Yeah, these huge. are like giants. We're like, we're going to smash us, you know. And uh, I would think if you're a grasshopper, you could just kind of jump all around them. But they <laughs> had this feeling that they did not, um, that there's no way they were going to be able to conquer um, mm-hmm. and win this way battle in this war. And I think that that's something we need to really sit and think about because, you know, often we're put in situations that the circumstances seem so overwhelming and we think, well, how are we going to make it through this? And I think that that's one of the biggest lessons is that instead of them really paying attention to what God has said to them and promised to them, they started looking at their circumstances and it just seemed a little overwhelming. Because at this point they had gone into other tribes or, you know, groups of people or whatever throughout the desert and conquered them. I mean, they had, they already had fought some battles in the desert. And so instead of remembering not only what God promised them, but two, like, oh, remember, like God delivered us. Well, my goodness. I mean, these other battles. Yeah. Let's just, let's just take the Red Sea for a minute. I mean, you know, uh, and let's just take the food. They were, you know, Wanting meat, and in Numbers it talks about, okay, you want meat, I'll give you some meat. And so God is complaining because God was going to give them manna, and they didn't want what God gave them. They wanted what they wanted, and they wanted meat. And you can really tell, you were talking about earlier about your heart and your posture of your heart. I don't think that your heart is to go back of your ways of when you walked away from God. No, I no. That would be never. Well, with them, that's what they wanted. They're like, I want to go back to Egypt. I'd rather be enslaved than I would rather than to be free and receive what God has for me. Which in some ways, would it would you say the equivalent would be like saying, I would rather like not follow Jesus anymore? Like if in the new in a New Testament believers, would it would that be kind of like an equivalent of like just how to like really kind of understand just what they mm-hmm. were saying. I do. I think it's more like kind of just saying, 
I want to give up my Christian badge. I decided to follow Jesus, and it was hard. Uh, he told me to forgive, and I don't want to forgive. He told me to trust Him, and I'm afraid He's not going to come through. He's told me, you know, not to look back, but to move forward and to trust Him, even when life is hard and difficult. And and I just don't know if He's going to come through. And so they began to doubt. And I think as a New Testament believer, I think what that means is, and I see it all the time, people walking away from the faith because God did not perform in the way that they thought that mm-hmm. he should. And that's part of my testimony. You know, I've mm-hmm. said it a thousand times. My deepest uh, regrets is when I went back and decided I was going to do life my way instead of God's way. But when I was really probably the closest to the Lord that I can ever remember at this particular time, uh, my dad gets sick. And I was teaching, you know, college students and high school students. And I just thought, surely God's going to really you know, listen to my prayers because look what all I'm doing for God. And it was kind of like an expectation. It's kind of like that's Mm -hmm. what, you know, sometimes when we do serve Jesus in New Testament, we have this expectations. We have this, it's almost an entitlement of look what I've done for you, God, instead of thinking about what God's done for us with the cross. But things get tough and hard and we feel like God has forsaken us or He's left us. And we decide to go back of our old ways, and we start living life based on our terms instead of surrendering to the will of God. Right. I feel like that's what that's kind of talking about, wanting to go back to Egypt. Yeah, and uh, you know, I think a lot of it is we don't know the end of the story. You know, like sometimes I think we can have a tendency to do what the Israelites did in Numbers thirteen and trust what we see and not what we and and not God. Um, mm-hmm. cause they were, they saw like, that's what like, oh, this is what we saw and that's what we're putting our trust in basically. And I think that we do that so many times too. And, and I think we like know in our heads that, you know, that faith is not in the scene, but in the unseen and all of that. But I think a lot of times when we are looking at the story or our story or someone we love story and, you know, wanting to bow out or wanting to go back to quote unquote Egypt, like we don't know the end of the story. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, wait, you're like, don't leave in, you know, like I don't know if yeah. God's saying this, but it's almost like, don't leave in the middle of the story. Like you haven't seen what I'm doing yet. Like, mm-hmm. which is a lot of, you know, with the Israelites, it's like, God's like, yeah, they're massive, but you're, you haven't even seen, you haven't seen what I, how I'm going to. Or you haven't remembered what I've done for you. I think that that's not only. Have they not? They had seen God just do miracle after miracle, and I think that that's why, you know, uh, in Hebrews where God said, you know, they saw all of my miracles, they saw everything that I did, but they did not know my ways, and so I would never allow them to enter into my rest. And I think that it's one thing to see God's miracles, and it's another thing to really know the heart of God and know His ways and know that God sometimes works in uh, ways that we cannot understand. And they're always dealing and, and living on this next moment, this big miracles, all of this. You know, I call it an experience. We see this all day long. We hear about these experiences that people have had when God has done a great miracle in their lives. And they feel so close to God. But then life begins to change a little bit. And as you don't just see these miracles day after day after day, 
And our first tendency then is to say, God, where are you? I don't think anything can highlight what we really believe more than difficulties. I think that these unfulfilled expectations and desires and hopes, sometimes that we don't know if God's working on them, what God's doing in them, but we don't see them immediately you know, coming to be, and sometimes we're tended to walk away. And I think that one of the things is that, yes, these spies— they saw all these people, and so they got afraid. They took their eyes off God and started looking at the people or their circumstances. But on the other hand, they come back, and they tell everybody about what they saw. And so the people then begin to hear what they heard. They begin to really become afraid based on the words that they heard. And I think that that's mm-hmm. another thing we deal with is not only are they words that people have said to us, that sometimes question our faith and question what we really believe and we question ourselves. But we also listen to the words we say to ourselves. We almost repeat some of the negative words that people said to us. And when we're sitting there trying to trust God, we look around often and think, well, God, how are you going to change this? And then you hear somebody say, well, I prayed and asked God for this, but it didn't happen. Then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, is he, God's not going to do that for me either. And it, it's just so weird. I think one of the hardest things, Kara, is knowing the truth about what God's really promised. I mean, the whole mm-hmm. point here is that God's promised them to bring him out of Egypt and bring, take him to right. the promised land. But for us, like, what does that mean? Right. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I struggle with that a lot of, like, what can I hold on to in terms of the promises of God? Because... I don't, we don't have specific promises like that. But I think one of the things in Numbers 14, at the beginning of Numbers 14, it says, like the people are, after they've gotten this report, they say, why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Like in other words, mm-hmm. like not only are they seeing the battle and thinking, you know, like we want to go back to Egypt, but it's like they're assuming that God is bad, like the worst of God. Really, Mm -hmm. you know, so I think that's sometimes like that's what I have to fall on if I'm in a moment where I'm like, I don't know exactly what God has promised me in a situation or whatever. But I know that I trust and believe that God hasn't brought me here to fail me or to abandon me or hurt or hurt me. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that the Israelites that's. Their unbelief led them to that, to believe that God is against them, you know? And so that I think is what's like, even if maybe we don't know what promise we can hang on to, I think one of the things we can hang on to is that God is good toward His Mm -hmm. children, you know, like His heart toward us is good. He's not, He may, you know, there may be trouble in the world, but He's overtaken the world and And He loves us. He loves us. And He cares for us. And He wants what's best for us. And I think only God knows what is best for us. Don't right. you believe that, Kara? Yeah, like I think that's like in part of what has kept me here in the faith is that too, where it's like, I don't like love this, but I do love you. God, I do love you too. But I mean, I like, you, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> but to God, to Jesus being like, but I love you. So I don't, I mean, I love this. But I do genuinely trust that his heart toward me is good, even when I'm having an emotional moment and I feel Mm -hmm. like you don't care. Do you even care that I'm, you know, crying myself to sleep, you know, 
six of them, seven nights a week Mm -hmm. or yeah, like whatever it is. Like sometimes I feel like, do you even care? But I, I always, even when I'm questioning that, I know that his heart toward me is good. I I don't doubt that. And so I think that is one thing that, you know, with the people being like, oh, why did the Lord bring us out here to kill us, basically? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what it's, they said. That's and what they say. Might as well go to Egypt and die. You know, just right, like I'd rather enough. die in Egypt than die out mm-hmm. here um, because clearly, like, he just wants us dead. And it's so, yeah, I think that's where. And I think that that's exactly what is the point. Kara, I think you hit on it. It is knowing the heart of God, knowing and staying true to knowing who God is, not what we assume or we have, you know, come up with the conclusion based on our circumstances, our opinion of God. But who does God say He is? And God says, I'm I'm a love, and I love you, and I gave my life for you. And if I wanted to destroy you, if I wanted you to live in hell, I wouldn't die and so that keep you out of hell. And, you know, but He knows that He created the heavens and the earth. He created this earth for it to be good, and man wanted to do things their own way, and it was because one man's sin that came entered into the world, and so that's why Jesus came to you know do away with the sin. And yes, sin still destroys, and yes, sin still um, defeats us, and it wants to empower us. It wants to destroy our lives. We are in a spiritual warfare. We are not just fighting with the circumstances that are going on in our life, but we do have a spiritual warfare. It's what. You know, Paul talks about putting on the armor of God that you may stand, that the devil is, you know, roaming around wanting to uh, to destroy you. And, and one of the things that the devil really wants you to do is not trust him. And mm-hmm. so, you know, when we're living in this world that's not heaven, and it's certainly not the garden, we, you know, have more than one rules, and we're seeing and we want to walk with God, often we just are under the impression that God has just left us. And even with Adam and Eve's sin, I mean, he went looking for him. Even, you know, at the cross, he came down for us. So, you know, we have to go back and go, wait a minute. You know, just like the Israelites first say, well, did you just bring us out of Egypt? So, because there weren't enough graves in Egypt to kill us. If God wanted to kill us, if he wanted to harm us, if he did not think what's best for us, I mean, there's no greater love than the love of God. And we can't even understand that. And it's hard for us to understand that pure, honest love that has no expectations. We, it's hard for us to even comprehend that, but we go back on that. And that's what we have to literally find our rest. We have to mm-hmm. know God and quit complaining to God about what our life's about and begin to just take our eyes off of our circumstances because that's what makes us complain and keep our eyes on God and know that God does want what's best for me. And I may not know how he's going to accomplish that. And I don't know what journey I'm going to have to travel to get to that understanding. But I do believe that that's what God wants you to do. I think that God is constantly, as he said to the Israelites, I I want you to know that I am your God. Mm-hmm. And I think for us, he wants us to know he's our God and he's good. He is a good shepherd. And, mm-hmm. it, and it's hard sometimes to, to feel uh, protected and loved and provided by him. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it is true. When I think it's like using the words of Caleb, where it's like, 
I'm paraphrasing, but basically like, yes, they are the people who dwell there are big. Like in other words, yes, what you're going through is big and it's hard. But Caleb says, but, but we are more than able to overcome it. In other words, we have With God, that. like God is mm-hmm. able, like we are fully able to overcome it because God is going to overcome it for mm-hmm. us and through us. And I do think going through scripture and looking for promises to hold on to, because I do we do have those promises, but mm-hmm. yeah, but not, we don't have those specific promises circumstantially. Well, we do have a promise that in this world we'll have tribulation. Right. Well, I and, mean, like we don't have circumstantial promises like, oh, hey, I'm going to give you this land <laughs> right. or, yeah, um, right. or whatever. Yeah. But I think going through and finding those help to know, um, like, I, like you know, for me, I, I may not be able to recite all of those promises offhand mm-hmm. right now, but because I have read and know those promises deep down, I just, that helps me believe and know that he wants nothing but good for me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So right. I think just having those things, I think that's that whole, like having his word tucked in your heart. Like I, I can't like recite it all to you, <laughs> but mm-hmm. it's there. And so then that helps me to live out of that because it's it's tucked in my heart somewhere. Right. You know, for me, Kara, I, when I get down and I start, you know, getting a little anxious and scared and what's going to happen. And, you know, we're sitting here dealing with all this Ukraine and Russia and stuff and what's happening to the world. And I I began to realize I've got to stop and get my eyes on God. And you're talking about His promises, and that's part of it. You know, yes, you know, God told, you know, the Israelites, I'm going to give you that land. And they just believed the spies more than they believed God. And they began to complain and, and and get afraid. And I think for me, it's just those principles. It's like, no, I'm not trying to enter into Canaan. You know, I, no, God's not promised me, you know, a place that I will find milk and honey and grapes and enjoy just sit around eating and freedom. But I do feel like God has promised me freedom in Him, and He's given it. But I think for me, I have to go back and realize that God has given us the Holy Spirit. And the other day I was teaching and I made this statement and I believe it with all my heart and believe it's reality and true and, and I've seen it. That because we have the Holy Spirit in us and the power of the Holy Spirit within us to empower us to live the life God has asked us to live, that there is nothing, and this is this is a hard statement, but I believe it. I've seen it. That there is nothing that we will face today that God has not given us the power to overcome. And it's us just digging deep where that Holy Spirit is and say, God, you have to do this. You have to win this battle. You have to take away this fear. You have to keep my eyes off of what's going on around me. God, you have to give me the faith to trust you. And I think that Often we're just looking for ways that we can claim something, thinking that if I can just, you know, look through the Bible and find some word or something that I can find comfort in. And you know how, you know, we love the Bible. I'm not saying anything against that, but that's God's word. And so these spies, you know, came back and told the people what they thought. And so the people, the Israelites, the problem was they listened to everybody else but God. And I think it's just time that we as followers of Jesus just stop and say, wait a minute, am I listening to 
what people say? Am I listening to what I believe or I feel or my emotions? Or am I looking at my circumstances? Or am I really focusing on who God is? And like you said, sometimes you have to just stop and you're just like, God, I know you're for me. I know you died for me. And I know that you want what's best for me. And sometimes that's the greatest promise ever. And how he accomplishes that and how that works out in your life and what that looks like on a day-to-day basis is personal. Mm -hmm. But you can always know and always trust that He's faithful to the end. Mm -hmm. And I believe that. I uh, remember when Kenzie, uh, my granddaughter, you know, your niece, was going through a hard time. And it just seemed like, you know, she'd go take two steps forward and three steps back. And I remember we heard the song, Faithful to the End. And she said, Mimi, I just keep thinking God's faithful to the end. And I would say to her, God never withholds what's best for His children. And I think sometimes that's the promise that we have to just depend on. And it's not just looking around on our circumstances and and waiting on God to change the circumstances, but I think it's looking to Him and changing what we believe and who we believe in and what we're putting our confidence in and our hope in. And I think that that's difficult at times, but it's always the right thing to do. Our eyes need to be on Jesus, and our mind needs to be renewed on His truth. And in that, we move forward. Thanks for listening. I'm so glad that you could be a part of our conversation. To continue the conversation, you can find Dot on social media at Dot Bowen or visit her website, DotBowen.com. Subscribe, like, and share with your friends, and we will see you next week on Write This Down with Dot Bowen.